This is Inside Outlands. With me today is our guest, uh, Sir. Um, he is a prominent role player, and uh, we're going to do role playing part two, basically. Um, I brought him in to kind of answer some of the same questions we did last time. Uh, sir, how, how's it going? Huzzah! Hell and uh, well met, my friends. It's going pretty good. Uh, pretty excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, you were a big part of our last podcast, and you had a bunch of questions, and and basically, I got, I just wanted to hear it straight from your mouth. I think this time, and kind of do a part two before we get back into some other guests. You know, basically, what, what's happened with the podcast is Mind Trip um, had some real life stuff come up that has kept him from playing UO for, I mean, really since we left off all the way until another more another couple months, probably April or May of this year. So I went on a search to find a new co-host. I had one or two lined up and had some scheduling issues, some some flaking out issues. And so I ended up just kind of putting this on hiatus uh, to be picked up, picked back up when my trip came back. And then, you know, I, I've kept playing Outlands since we, we went on our hiatus in, in November. And it's just gotten progressively better with each update. And I, I, I've stayed with it. And it's not really typical for me. Like, I usually fall off three or four months with something. And here we are five months in. I'm still playing. So I thought it was time to bring it back. I've got four or five interviews lined up with some, uh, you know, some prominent UO community people, a couple of developers. Um, I'm hoping to, to get one with uh, Karasho, which is the developer for Classic UO. But he lives in Italy. I believe, and you know, I'm in Texas, so we may have a hard time doing that one, but you can look forward to that too. So me and sir are going to talk role-playing, but before we do that, sir, why don't you give me your, uh, your like history with you? What's, you know, what brought you to the game? Sure. Um, I started off probably, uh, between the age of 12 and 13, back when it first launched, I was, uh, playing Diablo a lot back in those days with my younger brother and, uh, my best friend and, uh, his, my best friend's sister, uh, told us about this new game that she got called Ultima online. She said it was like Diablo, but way better. There was way more things to do. And you played with a lot of people at one time. And you didn't have to worry about uh, town killers here. So um, we tried it out. And the first night, I remember, uh, I stayed over at his grandma's house. It was the classic two nerd kids in their grandma's basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. Only we're a new generation playing Ultima Online. And uh, I remember spending most of that night running around as a ghost, just following roads and admiring everything in person that ran by and every bag or regent that was laying on the ground. It was just, uh, it was incredible. It sucked me right in. So my first character that I made was a miner and uh, I was at the Minoc mines, always trying to mine and I kept getting PK'd as did all the other miners there. So uh, I took it upon myself to make a thief. And I just called myself the annoyance. And uh, this was back in the day before you could set skill gains. So if PKs were around a campfire, they automatically gained camping. And if all the miners were dead, it really didn't matter to them because they couldn't gain. So uh, when PKs showed up, I would switch to my annoyance guy. All the miners would be dead. The PKs would be around collecting loot. I'd be hidden and start dropping campfires like crazy. And it just drove them out of the cave. So kind of found my first. Um, place in the world back then fighting against you know griefers i was uh, i admit i was too young and uh not really uh clever enough to be a bad guy so i had to fight the bad guys and uh, that right there kind of drew me in gave me a made me feel like i had a purpose at a very young age and tons and tons of different adventures and characters came after that but that's what really sucked me in i i just couldn't believe that uh there was a game that so much could be done in and you could affect so much. And uh, the people were the main part of it. They were the substance and uh, the guys that thanked me for, you know, pushing them out of there and keeping the PKs out. You know, I made it my daily duty to go there. That was all worth it. And that's why I'm a knight today. Yeah. That's a pretty interesting path. And it's, it's more interesting that you went right to like an emergent gameplay that early, you know, typically someone might, 
might hack away at a mine or or work on their warrior for six months, you know, and then make that kind of character. And you went you went right pretty early in to kind of make it your own thing. Yeah, you know, I think what's really interesting about it actually looking back is uh wasn't how quite how young I was. It was more or less uh the times. You know, this was back before yeah, internet was accessible to everybody and every you know, anybody that was playing was on dial up and uh you know, games before this really weren't MMOs. I mean it was one of the very first, so it kind of everybody that I think started UO back when it actually launched approached it with a different mindset of problem solving, which I mean, if you look at, you know, the old, old books, choose your own adventures, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, just playing tabletop and stuff like this, it's full of challenges. And that's what a game really was all about was challenging you. And that's what made things fun. Uh, today we've really become a rather, uh, I don't, a spoiled generation when it comes to the interface, I should say, uh, to make everything so easy for us to access. It's in our face. We don't have to do the work to find things. And I actually think that that's kind of the learning curve that keeps a lot of the younger generation of gamers out of UO today, um, which I'm not sure is a good or a bad thing. But in its own respect, uh, looking back, I think that's what really made a lot of the the memories that we all have. We all have our our first UO story, you know, and I think that's what uh, really had the biggest part to play in it was how we approached games back then, as uh, in comparison as to how we do today. You know, my my formative years actually happened on MUDs. Um, I was probably fourteen, ninety six, something like that, playing my my first MUD. It's actually on. Dragon Realms and Gemstone. I don't. I don't know which mud Raf Coster made, but you know the MMOs weren't a thing then. So you know that's what Gary and them guys did is they went and got people that made muds and brought them in on for design choices and, and internet internet decisions. You know, it was all new technology back then. As we've gone further from that time period, it's we've gotten further away from our roots, and now interfaces and gameplay systems. It's, it's all that is less like their their formative years in MUDs and UO and, and even EverQuest. You know, EverQuest is a lot of people's precursor to WoW, but there's so much more freedom in EverQuest. You go out, kill this, level up, group up with people. You know, now you can do the whole thing solo. The role-playing part was very big in MUDs. Text is on your screen, that's all you see, and you have to make your character interact with players. And, and now it's like it's almost playing a single-player game. I don't know what developers need to do to kind of bring that back, but I think that's why people still play these old games and still get a lot out of them. Well, that's really interesting. There's uh, three separate uh, subjects you touched on there that I think I could really elaborate on some that might kind of yield some exciting uh, um, potential for the future, as, as downtrodden as it might sound when I get there. Hopefully I don't forget all three of these points. But the first point, interestingly enough, is that uh, back then, too, in comparison to the players, the developers really didn't have a lot of competition back then either. So they had kind of a free-form style of developing games. And like you said, they brought in the, uh, the old MUD developers and MUD players to really uh, create this new interface-driven world where it's not so much text-based and imagination-driven, which now on the second point, which is kind of neat, we're talking about role-play here is what this is all about, is that that was kind of the heart of it back then is what drove it, you know? Um, And then, like you said, as time went on and these games started coming out, EverQuest came out next. It was a precursor to WoW. Uh, the guys at Blizzard looked at EverQuest, and you could obviously see where they uh, modeled their their game after it. But then they also refined a lot of the things that they knew. Hey, we could really pull in a, a larger crowd, a larger demographic if we change this or add this or make this easier, yada yada, so on and so forth. And as time went on, then the industry changed, and of course, money steps in um, because if you, if anybody knows Garriott's story, he had a very hard time getting UO launched just because game developers EA didn't think that it was actually going to be profitable back then. And, you know, like I said, internet wasn't a thing in everybody's home. So wrapping it all back up into the third thing, third point about how you said uh, it's, uh, it's curious how developers might try to drive players back into this um, role play esque 
uh, type of gameplay with each other. Um, there, I, I really don't know the uh, official documents or articles or anything like that, but I have a friend, that, the actual friend that I started with. Um, he's now living in California. He's worked for NCSoft and a couple other big game companies out there. Uh, he just told me something that was rather interesting as we were talking about the new game Anthem. Uh, it has no no uh, chat or or communications systems in it whatsoever. You cannot talk to other people other than emotes. And in one hand, and it was due to something that the government put in there uh, that has to do with talk uh, speech to text. I think it is or something like that. Um, any game that has a chat system has to support this. And I think a lot of games weren't really up to the idea of creating a system for it or revamping for it. So he's kind of telling me in the future, we're going to see a lot of these games uh, and these are console games too, but they're PC as well that are, aren't going to have chat systems in them, which made me think, well, maybe then that's going to kind of help people start acting things out. They're going to start giving players uh, emotes instead of words in order to communicate to each other in games. Now, I know that that sounds like we're stepping back, um, you know, in, in our advancements with stuff, especially since MUDs were nothing but text-driven. Uh, this might in some way get people to start acting in uh, more ways than just teabagging a character after they shoot them in a first-person shooter, so to speak. I don't know. Just being hopeful. That's my speculation on it. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot changing in the world right now. Ten years ago... You might ask someone about D and D, and they, they all no one's played that for ten years, and that, and now D and D is huge. There's fifty thousand people on Twitch streams, uh, you know, all kinds of money being made in Kickstarter. I, I Critical Role is 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 massive. D and D itself is massive, and then that kind of trickles like a side effect down. So now other role playing games are are coming back, and then those people aren't just tabletop role players; they're, they're gamers too. So I think you might see some interesting products just trying to marry those two in the future. Uh, it'll be really curious to see what actually happens from that, you know, whether it's a D and D product or, or something else, you know? Oh, absolutely. Even the, uh, discord itself is a wonderful tool. Um, we started a, well, a while back, we started a server that was specifically for role players that has a dice bot, a D20 dice bot that, uh, we started our own D and D esque tabletop type, uh, campaign in there. That I think we've been doing it for over a year now, actually. Um, and we're right now currently playing a campaign with permadeath. If we die in, in Discord, we have to delete our characters in the game. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've experimented that with that some. We do all of our, our stat rolls in, in Discord because you can see it. And so it's kind of a permanent place, you know. But I could definitely see you playing an over-text game with roll. It supports all that. Like the bots in Discord are great. Oh yeah, fantastic! And the way that uh, they've the 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 length they've come since they started Discord, I'm really impressed with the different tools that they give us to even just create the different dynamics as far as categories and different channels go. We also have rooms in there that are nothing but role play taverns. Uh, there, you know, there's always a guy out there who he wants to start up a tavern in game, and we always tell him, "Hey, make a chat room for that also." And uh, the role play discord server so that you can invite people do some role play in there when you're not able to be in game you can always uh do some emotes throw some dice set up some drinking games whatever you know there's lots of stuff you can do with the imagination that all goes back to muds yeah so i mean that's my background my other background with role playing games is it's just tabletop rpgs and and it's kind of with the the last couple of years you know i've got a group and we play every every sunday and even back in the mud days, my role, I played on a mud that was very uh, hack and slash. So it had RP and, and I definitely did RP, but it was even then it was, I was still more into the systems and PVP. And that's kind of where my gamer track went from then on, you know, EverQuest. And I actually missed UO. I, I would be considered a new UO player. I think I came on UO, um, well core. That's how you say it. Um, for, about a month and then nothing until outlands. So I, I didn't play your own. It's heyday. I played, I played EverQuest and then went to college and came back and played all the regular MMOs. So I'm kind of going back, trying to find the things I missed. Role-playing was a big deal. Then uh, it's obviously a big deal in UO and it's just, it's just less so now. 
I wonder when games are going to get back there and if they ever will. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. It is uh, it is very much less so now. But what, the one thing I do like about UO's community is pretty much any server I've ever been on is even if there isn't a prevalent um, role play group or or couple groups or an alliance or some even orcs they're usually the popular group that pops up here and there and stuff even even if there isn't that stuff the players there always respect role players somehow some way you know when it comes up the conversation comes up somebody always says oh i love role player oh i love the orcs or this or that they it seems like the the role play is somehow tied to their um their memories that really uh, bring back that nostalgic feeling of UO. So I think as long as UO is alive, there's going to be role players here to help keep that going. As far as other games, I think it's really just going to come down to um, how they design them and develop them. I've never honestly found another game like UO that allows you to really express your character uh, the way that it does. It's very simple. Uh, and I know it's 2d and it's all on screen and stuff, but uh Sometimes simpler is better. You know, it, it could be more of a blank slate to let you work with. And for as dynamic as UO actually is, there's quite a bit of blank space to fill. Yeah. So you, you touched on something that I, I definitely want to hit on. And, and that's because that's kind of where I'm coming from is I appreciate role players. Uh, often I want to get in there and maybe try some of it out, but I, I don't ever want to do it full time. I've never made a character and like, I'm going to live that character's life and, and do it inside the game. But that experience you get when you run into an orc or, or some kind of scenario, those are definitely some of my biggest memories and past games and even some of my recent memories and outlands. So, you know, you want to become, you want to help those players. You want to jump in maybe with them, but I don't want to like ruin their fun. You know, so so what's the what's the tips you have for for that UO player that's just out farming, and all of a sudden you find himself in the wild, wrapped up in role play. You know, what should he just back off? Is there anything he can do to contribute? Yeah, that's funny. Um, that's actually probably where most of our best recruits have ever come from. Was just bumping into a guy in the wild, hunting by himself. You know, he's out there digging into the game for adventure. He's probably somewhat new, you know, a little established. Sometimes we get guys that are greener than the grass, man. But uh, nonetheless, it's all about that experience of just um, immersion. You find yourself in the world. It doesn't, you don't have to be eloquent with your speech. You don't uh, have to speak Shakespearean, as I like to say, either. You know, a lot of people think thee and thou and all of these things are requirements of role play or like you're thinking if you don't have if you're not equipped with these you know certain nerdy skill sets that you're going to detract from it in some way not at all role players and in fact my guild our thing is we like to role play everybody there are a lot of role play guilds here and to some of those guys they have certain standards and expectations of their members uh, but not the community. They know that they're going to run into people and that don't know how to role play, uh, but they're just going to smile at us or be kind with us or give us back a my lord or something like this. That's what it's really all about. It's just that quick, that, that emergent moment that happens when you run into a character who is in the world and he doesn't take himself out. That's almost like a touchstone for that person to be able to join in. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to be good. You don't even have to uh, uh, know all of the old English cliche words. Smiley faces we role play with. Other players that laugh out loud at us and stuff, you know, with us and whatnot, that never makes us break immersion. We, we keep in character, play with them, let them. We just hope that we're actually sharing something that the NPCs in the game can't really provide. You know, it's another level of the game that uh, adds a believability to the world that you're in. So many of us are uh, readers and we read fiction books that have to do with fantasy and medieval things. So this is the perfect kind of play or movies. It's a perfect kind of place to play out the things in your imagination that captivate you and create your own character that it's creativity is really what it is that draws role players in. They're really an eclectic group of creative people. Many of them come in with skill sets that, 
have nothing to do with UO, but more of art forms and such. And it really shows how they utilize that to express their character, whether it's writing or whether it's imagery or whether it's just performance. I mean, um, there's some guys that even stream practically in character. Carl Dellenden is one. Shout out to him. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Forest of Wires. Great guy to watch. It's hilarious, fun. And that's what it's all about. Just really having fun, being in the world, living out a, an adventure of something that's really cool in your mind that you want to see happen. And like I said, man, thank God UO is here because it gives us, uh, it's such a great tool to actually express these stories is what it is. Yeah, we'll we'll put a link in our our show notes for for that Twitch because that's that's awesome. It, does he interact with Twitch in character too, or is it just inside the game? No, entirely. Uh, I mean, he he's mostly a narrator is how I look at him. But the guy he wears a robe, a red robe over his head, and he has a pretty handy skill set for video editing. So he makes a lot of different uh, videos for his adventure. He calls it the misadventures of Carl Delandin, and uh, he. As he's narrating, he'll um, speak and act out his character from both in the game and in Twitch, so it both translates. He'll talk to the community some here and there, but as far as being you know, uh, videoed on Twitch, he does an amazing job. I give the guy a ton of credit. I love watching his stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. I use uh, tabletop role-playing as, as kind of a way to, to grow a little bit, uh, to get outside of my comfort zone, because it's not usually something I do. I mean, I like hanging out with friends. I like... Uh, I like nerdy stuff, but you know, actually, the act of role playing, being in character, is is a bit awkward. But you get you get a lot from from doing that. It's some of the same stuff in theater. You know, it's just imagining yourself with someone else, how they would act, and then and then you do your best to uh, to make that a reality. And uh, you know, I've gotten a lot out of it from from D anD D the last couple of years. I just haven't married that with video games. So. That's why uh, you know, the last podcast we did in this one, I'm always curious of, of what the uh, how to actually go about doing that. And it sounds like from what you're saying, it's not a uh, uh, it's an inclusive group. Uh, so if I if someone like me were to actually start trying, like I wouldn't be you know pushed out because I'm doing it wrong. No, not at all. In fact, uh, most guilds, and I mean, even if you run into an evil guild that seemed like a bunch of bad guys, they'd be more than willing to welcome you in, teach you the ropes, help you along, practice with you, give you tips, you know, just really kind of guide you in and get your feet wet and then let you run on your own. Because that's really all it is, is realizing that you have a green light here that nobody can really tell you that you're doing it wrong. I mean, you know, you could, there's such a thing as power playing, power role playing, where you're trying to force a char an action on another character, which I'm sure from tabletop D&D, you know that that's not cool, but sometimes people try to do it, try to say that they, you know, did this to your character. Well, what about the dice, man? We got to roll the dice. We got to see what happens. UO kind of gives you that playground to see what happens and a ton of other controls. It's just not dice anymore. But as far, as long as you're not, you know, stepping out of character, people would be more than happy to welcome you in and tell you, hey, man, it's, there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's just getting comfortable with it and then developing your own style. It's a lot like art, really. It, like you said, theater um, in comparison to, say, painting or something like that. What makes an artist stands out is his style. Same with role play. Yeah. Well, one thing about UO is I don't have to create voices for all the NPCs I have to run as a DM, which I'm, I'm terrible at. Uh, I think my kids, I ran a game for my kids and they were, they, they said, dad, okay, don't do that girl's voice anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, you, I can just type it out, I guess. That's funny. Uh, I personally, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum. I have no problem jumping into character and deep character on a video game. Uh, and that's usually because I approach any community as a role player. I already have that out of the way. Uh, but, but sitting around at a table, I have a much harder time actually, uh, embodying the character and giving him a voice and, you know, uh, being animated at the table, so to speak and stuff. Uh, but I really, really appreciate it when a good DM does put that effort in, even if his voice stinks, but so good for you. Kudos. Keep that up. No matter what <laughs> your kids say. <laughs> you know, I would, I would suggest to you, uh, you might try something like roll 20 or fantasy grounds. It, it puts it on the computer and off the table, but, it has 100% of the, the same thing. 
and, and that might be an ease for you to get into it, you know? Yes, actually, I have done Fantasy Grounds. The uh, the the child friend that I was telling you about, I grew up playing UO with out and working for NCSoft, all that stuff. Uh, he actually had it. He bought the silver edition or something like that, which allowed anybody joining his campaign to, to have full access to it for free. So uh, me, him, and uh, a bunch of couples, a bunch of other couples, my actual, my girlfriend at the time, we all joined in. And man, we did that for probably... Uh, 12 three months 12 weeks or so you know something crazy and it was it really was a lot of fun uh the learning curve really wasn't even that hard whenever you're uh, already used to the paper all the paperwork you know it's just a matter of arranging your user interface and getting everything on track there but it was a lot of fun it really is all right so so back to you I'll, I'll, I'll stop trying to sidetrack us D D. that's my other hobby i love but uh and, and uo pvp and it's always a hot topic, especially in Outlands. You've got a, a bunch of community wants to not trammel the server up, but just make it harder for PvP to, to live on the server. Harsher penalties, um, things like that, so that they can go out and farm and PvE in peace. But from a role player perspective, how do you incorporate PvP into your RP? Do you uh, do you have like different scenarios where it's okay to PvP or? Or is it other scenarios that you go into it knowing there, there'll be combat? Oh, and if you happen to kill someone, are there ever any like like drama repercussions from from doing that because you know they didn't want to be killed? I guess. Uh, well, uh, it, there's a couple different ways that PvP will emerge with role players. Um, first, I'd like to just say that generally, I feel like the the public usually thinks that uh, role players aren't good PvPers. Generally, they are correct. We are more into story and imagination, and working together to create uh, more diplomacy and uh, politics and stuff like that end up coming out of it more so than PvP. However, there are a lot of, uh, I like to call them legendary guilds. They're nostalgia guilds. They're the guilds like you, uh, the you militia, uh, all the old orc clans from back in the day, the undead, stuff like this, the classic guilds. They're known for warring each other. And in that, there's usually uh, roles of engagement, ROE. They usually have a no loot role or a light loot role, which is basically just loot to disarm. Um, because they know as role players are putting a lot more time into story, into creating a rich environment that uh, helps immersion happen, that helps you sink into the game. So they're not spending as much time like uh, a lot of power players or you know PK guilds that are out there trying to dominate the top PVM guilds, you know, raiding champs or raiding different bosses and stuff like this. Um, they're more focused on uh, time-consuming work that really doesn't let us get that far ahead. So they don't try to loot each other. They, they try to be respectful. And the only reason they would loot each other is usually to disarm each other. Now, in that, with rules of engagement, that you can imagine that sometimes it's not followed. And when it's not followed, it can sometimes have some crappy repercussions. And that ends up in the same drama that you see everywhere else with uh, non-role players in PvP chat rooms and stuff like that. Now, it's not common, but it, it does happen. Usually, most roleplay guilds are pretty good about respecting each other and letting one or two mishaps slide because of a new member who wasn't aware or something like this. Um, but then the second kind of uh, PvP you're going to run into um, is just open PvP with, with the rest of the server. Uh, now, my guild, being the Knights Guild, we are a true blue guild, is what I call us. We It's a strict role. You cannot have a red. We hope that you aren't sneaking a red on any account. We're actually trying to make sure that our cause and our drive is true and pure because, well, let's just face it, there's always going to be reds murderers out there and that's an enemy that we don't have to create it's already there all we have to do is write the story around how we're fighting it and battling it and going back to what i very first said uh, that most people think that role players aren't good pvpers well you know initially they might not be but like anybody else and anything else you give it some practice and time and they'll get better uh, on the last server that we had played on, we had a group of uh, PvP elitists that we called the Dragon Knights. 
Um, there was only six of them because I think there was only six colors of dragon scale at the time. Um, and they were our PVP guys. They would group together regularly, patrol the server for reds because uh, there weren't really any other roleplay guilds out there for us to interact with at the time. So we had to create story. We had to satiate the needs of everybody, which we had, a, like I said, you know, we had enough uh, PVPers to fill six roles of guys who were dedicated to PVPing. Uh, so the open PVP world, you have to kind of decide, well, if you're a true blue guild like us, well, you, there's plenty of reds out there to fight. One of our roles is you never attack a blue. If you have a confrontation with them or a problem with them, you have to talk it out with them. Use your role play to, to interact with them. And if they're going to flag, and then you can attack them. That's fine. So we have roles like that. Other guilds might not. Um, there might be evil guilds that say PKing is fine. Just, you know, they know that them being role players, they represent the whole community of role players. One group doesn't just represent their own guild. If you claim to be a role player, you're standing out and you're representing the whole community. So most even evil guilds will just light loot if if even loot at all and probably even res you after they PK you or something like this. Um, then there's other guilds that are trying to use the server mechanics right now, like the Blood Rock Orcs, uh, new role, I think is how you would say his name. He, um, he's blue. All of his, all of his guys are blue, but he actually came up with a pretty ingenious idea to declare war on every guild on the server that pops up. And I'm pretty sure he regularly goes through the guild list and declares war on everybody and sends them messages and says, war us because it's easier for them to role play and interact with everybody if they're not red. But if everybody's orange, well, that's great. And these guys are really good and nice about not being griefy in terms of dry looting you when they don't need your stuff or just to put you in your place or something like this, you know, to, to assert dominance of any level. It's all about fun for them. They, they know that people like being killed by orcs because it's always a unique experience. So they're trying to actually embody that. And I think a lot of people out there with us, as far as being a true blue guild, We'll try to role play, but man, anytime you run into a red, it's shoot first, ask questions later. So that's kind of the what we're forced to do whenever we're facing PvP like that. So oh, yeah, yeah, your your window when a red comes on screen is you got seconds to live. Either run or fight or die. You don't that, have time to to de and thou them. You're just you're just end up dead. That's exactly it. And then once the deed is done, if we succeed, and trust me, we ha you have to get good at losing before you get good at winning. So uh, most of the time we end up biting the dust because it's just a couple of us and, you know, three, four mages come in and holy crap, we can't even get a shot off before two of us are dead. But we get used to that. We get thick skinned and good at that. And most of the time, if they are kind enough to raise us, we role play at them and we're not mad about it. You know, we'll emote that we're holding our ribs because they're broken and we're badly beaten and hope that they take some kind of pity and probably <laughs> pity, but just appreciate what we're doing and say ah, i don't really need the plate mail i'll leave that stuff on for you yeah the the orc clan thing is very interesting they they declared war on beard brothers which is uh my guild we're also a only blue guild uh we don't have the rules you do as as far as alts i think you're allowed to have alts elsewhere we do have a rule where we don't want to hear anything that you do on your alts. We don't, we don't want to hear about your thief or your red. Uh, we like to keep it pure in our guild chat, I guess, and comms and, and, and we do pr try to promote a, uh, you know, a, a healthy environment, but the orc clan thing is interesting because they have to go red to PVP and, and have those interactions and it makes, it makes your life hard on, on outlands. Um, you know, you go red, sometimes you can't do anything for the next hour. Uh, heavy gold penalties. They have mechanics to get forgiven and stuff, but it's not easy to be red on outlands and, and then combine that with trying to socially interact with people in a role-playing environment. So the war thing is cool because he, he's not just, you know, blankly declaring war. He, he actually is sending messages to guild leaders and stuff and trying to start a chat with them and let them know what's going on and why. You know, it lets them fight oranges and and not have to deal with being red and provide those interactions and, and you get some buy-in because your guild accepts the war. So it gives them more gives them more people to interact with, which is kind of neat.
It is, and I uh, I really appreciate the idea that somebody out there is really really utilizing the server mechanics that they've put in like this. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, on most other servers, you can't war an individual guild if they're in an alliance and such. You would have to war that whole alliance. But here, it's just basically guild on guild. Each guild has their own level of diplomacy. Uh, and by doing that, it really, like you said, it is hard to be a red here. So I don't blame those guys because uh, uh, it, it's, first of all, it's just a, a much harder server overall, which I really enjoy the grind here because uh, it, it really puts people in a level of uh, commitment and loyalty to their cause and their purpose, their goals, their quests, stuff like this. And those guys are doing it. Uh, they're, they want to be known. They want to be large. And they're not being biased because if they if everybody's orange, they really can't single anybody out. But um, nine out of ten times, they're going to role play at you and make sure you're there. They're not going to kill your AFK crafter. They're probably running past ninety percent of the oranges, just looking for somebody that's actually, you know, there and willing to role play back with them at first. And that's most guilds uh, that are trying to outreach with role play. That's what they do. Uh, they're trying to find people that are that are consciously there, not AFK, you know, just standing at the bank or something before they start interacting with them. And that's uh, pretty respectable, I think, of those guys. New World's pretty nuts. He's He is a savage. He's just a, a primate. It's pretty awesome to watch a guy roleplay as fast and crazy as he does and do what he does. Um, I actually bumped into him at the moon gate of Prevalia while he was trying to take a female hostage. She was dressed in that really nice Valentine pink stuff, real nice dress. <laughs> okay. And they were trying to take her hostage. And I told him, I said, no, 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 take, you leave her alone. Take me, take a night. I'm a much better prize. And man, we had probably a, a, a 20 to 30 minute role play session of him dragging me around on a rope tied up and beating the crap out of me and torturing me as I was calling my nights to somebody come save me. And it turned into this really awesome emergent thing that happened that we created a story over it and posted pictures and the whole story on the forums and stuff. And it's just, and that kind of stuff right there makes me really appreciate somebody not just being pure PVP because I know this game is very PVP centric there's, in fact, a lot of people that play this game just for the PvP, not even to play anything, any other part of it. They just really enjoy that competitive drive of the macros and how much control you have with Razor and Steam and stuff. Um, but then you have these guys really putting themselves out there to, to make it uh, fun and interesting. And if somebody plays back, I'll tell you this, man. If you if you give a role player a bone to chew on, he'll he'll chew on that bone for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, I love that story. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have a lot more of those. There's a Jack Scallywag. He's got a really cool forum post. I've actually reached out uh, to interview him, but they're doing some really cool things on the seas and boats, just making really interesting uh, stories out of it. Just how you guys can take this game and and get out of it what you, what you do is amazing. Be because... You know, when I'm just going through the mechanics, I'm just grinding my character out. I'm not getting that kind of stuff out of it, you know. But you're able to, to extract way more out of the game. It, it actually makes me a little jealous. And I think I said that on the last episode is the content may dry up and we may get bored with mechanics and system changes over time. But a role player can always get in the game and extract new and interesting and, and cool stories out of it and... It's something we should appreciate and be jealous of because we can't, we don't have that ability of playing it just like a, you know, a regular player would. Well, well, I'll put it this way. Uh, I can't back up an 18 wheeler, but I bet you if I gave it a little practice, I could probably figure it out. Uh, I think if you guys are interested, anybody out there, any listeners are interested, just try it. Try it a few times. You know, if you see a guy at a tavern, I'm, I mean, a lot of us, We'll go AFK inside of taverns, just sitting around bars and stuff. I've come back from AFK to guys standing around me to tell me, hey, thanks for doing what you do. So what do you mean? Just for being a knight. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Me and the guy end up sitting down, having a couple role play drinks, throwing some dice. Next thing you know, I got a new recruit. The guy's loving role play. You know, if you if you if you have that little inkling, that little bit of interest, just try it. Practice it a couple times. You might end up finding a new gem. This game might become that exciting 
new adventure that it was 20 years ago to you. You know, it's, I, I advise everybody to give it a shot, good or evil. All right, let's do some of our, our role-playing and UO part two questions because uh, it'll be some of the same questions we asked uh, a Titus um, in episode four. Um, so what are the differences between in-character and out-of-character? Uh, well, in-character is the uh, state of immersion that you, that you play out as your character. When you're in-character, you don't really talk about anything outside of the game. Uh, you would act as if you could see through your character's eyes and that's all you could see. And that's all that you really know. Um, you don't know about what's going on on Netflix. You don't know about what's going on in world news. You don't talk about that stuff. That's for out of character chat. The difference between in character and out of character chat would be say on your character in a game like UO. Uh, when I run up to you, we're in the world. So as a role player, I would assume that you're not going to start talking about your like or dislike for Trump on your character. You're going to tell you're going to invite me to a party and we're going to talk about that in a chat area or a place that's set aside from the world. Um, so out of character is things that have nothing to do with UO, nothing to do with the world or the game or the moment. Uh, in character is everything that's going on at that moment in the world with you, with the people around you in the environment. Immersion is um, the idea of um, really submerging yourself into a fantasy setting, uh, using your imagination to really bring it to life. And uh, like you were saying about being jealous with that, that's there's it's easy and anybody can really do it. Just give it a shot. And uh Try playing in character here and there. Just know that you never have to do it constantly. There's plenty of places that you can uh, relax and chat about outside UO stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it's just about uh, increasing immersion and making sure you don't you don't break it as best as possible. So I skipped over our first question, but you might have something to say about it. So, uh, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but what is a RPG, a role playing game? How does that title genre relate to the experience in game? So, so that tag is is on UO and in any MMORPG, but I think people often overlook that little RPG at the end. I agree with you completely, and I think that uh, it only got lost in translation over time. And I actually blame blame consoles for that <laughs> because so many RPGs came out and I just say RPGs, not MMORPG, uh, that were on consoles that, I mean, you could go all the way back to like Zelda, you know, on the old Nintendos and stuff, all the way up to The Witcher on the new systems or whatever's the new thing right now. And a lot of people playing single player by themselves, they miss out on that MMO part that really kind of drives the RPG because there's other people to interact with, which is where this all started around Gary Gygax's table on D and D how many years ago that developed into muds that developed into these actual user interfaces that are more than just, you know, text. We have graphics, we have characters, we have all of these different dynamics that over time, the RPG ended up getting washed out because the MMO left it. Once video games realized, hey, this is a great market. We can really push this on a lot of people. And they really like this fantasy-esque story, the uh, hyper-fantasy stuff, even like the big Asian uh, games that come over and stuff, the anime that sweeps us all. All of the single-player stuff ends up wiping out that um, massive multiplayer online part so eventually the rpg just became a single player game i think to most people's minds most younger generations of gamers minds an rpg is nothing more than a, a, a genre of game that is more about the mechanics than it is about the role that is being played of your character in a story now, granted, I will say a lot of people do play these games because they love story. They love cinematics, uh, good directing and stuff like that. I don't blame that at all. While they're playing, I ask them, though, are you thinking about your character actually being a part of the world in any way? Is that, or, or is it just the grind to the next game mechanic that gets you to that next cinematic? So if we were to go back all the way to the beginning with MMORPG, 
people naturally assumed their roles, even if they weren't trying to role play. I really feel like role play was happening before it was coined as role play like we know it today. People just didn't know that they were doing it because there was really no other way that they knew how to play. Once people started min-maxing everything, PKing and wanting to just dominate and competition came into the picture, the metagame came alive of UO that was PvP and stuff like this. Then you started losing in the MMO genre, but it's always going to linger. Role players will always be there. Um, but I think in, in most terms, with UO being that we have such a touchstone to something so old that started all of this, it's a great chance to actually keep it alive, but actually not even keep it alive, but uh, to really thrive in it here. Uh, and it's kind of a closed community because I don't think a lot of these younger generations are getting into the idea of the learning curve of UO and really have no idea the value of role play and how it's uh, enriched our game experiences from when we all were younger and, and those nostalgic memories we all have. Yeah, there's some very, very interesting points. And I think you're right, too. Uh, my kids are the same way. They associate a role-playing game as you know that, that single-player thing, the, the Witcher or whatever, Final Fantasy. There, there's another interesting genre out there. They, they call them immersive sims. Uh, Deus Ex and uh, Dishonored, and those are actually my favorite role-playing games to play because you often it takes you out of the systems and you start thinking, what would your guy do, and then and then you do it, and the game world like interacts around you and changes, uh, and you don't see that a lot in just a regular RPG. It's almost like it's mimicking what the MMO does to a role-playing game because uh, you know in the MMO part you get it, the players are shaping around you. But in Mercer Sim, it's just the game world itself. It's still single player, but it's kind of got another little layer. Um, and, and they're still making them, obviously, right? Dishonored 1 and 2 made tons of money. Uh, and then your point with UO, I, I think I, I think it can come back. It's got the, the pixel art. You can't downsell it. It's 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 huge now. Lots of games have it. It's a, it's a huge selling point. It's kind of the it thing again. It's also kind of out of flavor because there's so many games like it, but the UR, it, it holds up and you start showing screenshots of our game of UO out there amongst uh, modern gamers and it actually, you get a lot of interest with it. So I think with uh, the right client, the right settings, uh, easing some of that ease of use and, and you might actually see some growth on something like Outlands that, that reaches further past uh, just the vets. And I can say that because I'm I'm not a vet, and here I am, you know, five months later, still playing this game. So, yeah, that's right. You you are you're a great testimony to that. Um, and I think you're right. I think uh, you know history repeats itself. Uh, old fads always come back, and I think that we will probably see a resurgence of UO players as long as Broadsword keeps the live shards free and live. It can keep them up. And the free shards keep going to give people that option that everybody always loved to have. Um, there's the other server is UO Forever, and it um, it's like a classic nostalgia server. I really love the idea that Outlands is a completely custom server map, and so many of the mechanics and the skills and stuff are different here because it really gives people uh, options now. Almost as if I really think that Legends of Aria. Uh, is going to fail. Uh, I hope I don't get a lot of flack for that, but just the idea that it's so moddable and uh, the, the ideas that they had for it when it was going to launch, I really think that UO already had that covered with Gray Shards years ago when they first started popping up right after UO launched. And uh, if anything, we could just use a little bit more support from the community to keep pushing UO and join UO and give this new server a try if the old UO doesn't you know, do it for you. But there's always nostalgic UO there with uh, UO Forever too. So it's a bit of both flavors for everybody. Yeah, I like UO Forever too. I, I I dipped into that before Outlands launched. I was so pumped up for Outlands and it wasn't out. So I hopped in there. And while I don't have any nostalgia to back it up, yeah, a good game is a good game is a good game. It doesn't matter if you played it in 98 or 2018. So uh, well said. Uh, so uh, let's do our next question here. Um, how can RP offer non-RPers non a unique and memorable experience? 
Uh, I think it's the memories, really. Uh, every, like I said, everybody has that old classic memory. Whether you just joined a few years ago, and it was you know the one thing that sucked you in, or whether it was you played back whenever it launched and all the role play guilds were real popular, and that was a big thing going on out there. I think everybody remembers in some way or another, or at least appreciates uh, what the role players do and when they interact with them. I shouldn't say everybody, most people <laughs> uh, appreciate what they do. And uh, the the fact that when you can run into a role player, like I was saying earlier, touching on this stuff, if you just give it a try, you'll be really surprised where it leads. And um, it's like, it's honestly, you know, running into a random role player, even a Vikings, uh, they have one, one member in particular, Astrid, uh, she's great to run into in the game in Outlands. If anybody sees her, stop and roleplay with her. It is a blast. Um, it's almost like opening up a book. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm really not a reader kind of guy, but I imagine a bunch of people probably read either Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something like this. I would imagine it um, parallel to opening up the first chapter, reading it, and not being able to set it down. You just have to keep going with the story. It's fun. It's emergent. Things change ideas pop into your head comedy and a little bit of humor is always a part of it somewhere in there if it's if it's good you know um if you're when you're going to run into the real serious hardcore role players it's usually usually going to be like a more of a, a presentation type uh presence where they're putting on an event or putting on a show or putting on theatrics but if you run into somebody emergently just go with it man you'll love it yeah, uh, you know, some of my memories of Outlands are, are some of the stuff Higgs done. Uh, maybe it's not necessarily full-on role-playing, but just creating memorable experiences, you know, it's out there for sure. And and some of that's definitely more memorable than the time I died in Cavernum. So you have another question down here that when you get griefed, and so I'm not talking to like just PvP, but, but someone there that is just out to to ruin your fun um, and they exist and they get kind of fun out of the game in a different way. They like to just cause complete chaos and havoc and, and that's fun for them. I don't really like take it against them. Like a lot of players do usually because it's brief and it's not like my gameplay all the time. If it happens once every other or so often, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I'd imagine for a role player, especially if you're, if you're doing these, um, what you're describing, these, mem these memorable moments that you're, experiencing and then a, if a griefer starts to mess with that you know what what do you do how do you handle it what, what kind of stuff can you do to, to mitigate it? so i'm not really talking just you know the, the pvp -er that drops in and ruins your fun but the guy that's there to to really bring the pain to anyone around him you know any way he can yes absolutely uh griefer is a trigger word these days um so i, I definitely know the distinction the distinction you're making there between just you know the the average pk that runs by and gets you uh versus the guy that really is is flaunting it and trying to get you upset and they're reaching for a different level of um <laughs> emergent gameplay we could call it that uh most role players aren't prepared for yeah um, often they're using mechanics and in very unique ways that you don't expect they're doing things like this weird thing. They hit your tamed creature that then flags you gray that then lets you kill you. And, and they'll do it over and over and over again to get those reactions out of people or some weird thing with a, with the house or boat deed or something. They'll find that one mechanic and it just grind it and the piss players off, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I will say, uh, you know, that's a real thing out there. It happens and it's an end of any game that allows that kind of mechanic. Now UO being so dynamic, <laughs> it's really hard for them to cover all the corners on the stuff. And we've encountered with our no attacking blue rule, we've encountered many guys that have gotten around this and really wrecked us. Uh, for instance, on a previous shard, um, I noticed when outlands first launched, uh, monsters did not have that respawn range where if they chase you so far, they go back to their spawn point. Um, that actually, I think, was because, first of all, most of their dungeons they created were very linear. Uh, it's kind of like a tunnel you run through. So running down to level three because you don't want to kill stuff from level one to level three caused a lot of trains, if anybody's familiar with that term from EverQuest. 
Um, but on uh, the other server, we had a guy that he would constantly drag spawn onto us in these um, very high potential death areas and just wreck us and loot all of our stuff. And we just have to stand there and watch them. So stuff like this really gets to a person and makes you think, okay, this is kind of cheating. And it can really tempt the role player to step out of character and say, okay, look, you're, you're, you're not playing by the rules. I will, you know, I'm going to step out of character and give you a piece of my mind because we're real people too. We really do get upset just like anybody else whenever shit doesn't go our way. And it's just, you know, overboard like this, like I said, you know, the average PK, you get thick skinned, you got to get good at dying before you get good at winning. We're good with that stuff. But uh, there are times even when I lose my cool and I'll come out and I'll start cursing at him. And granted, I, if I start cursing, I'll try to stay in role play and call him an arsehole instead of an a-hole. But uh, <laughs> things like this, <laughs> it, it's really hard to keep your composure when you're really, really what ultimately you're doing is performing for the community. And then a piece of it takes a crap on you where you're like, well, that's no fun. That's no good. But in all honesty, um, and I'm admitting I'm guilty of it too. You'll see some nights I'll go into the PVP channel, just calling people out and having a good roaring time after a good 12 pack or something. Oh, well, if you, you really want to shoot yourself in the head, go, go open up that PVP channel and Outlands discord. And man, that not safe for work tag is there for a reason. You're best just to ignore it and, and not enter that you're exactly right. And, uh, being a knight though, you know, I like to put my ales down every now and then, and I'll go in there and shoot my mouth off. And by the end of it, I'm realizing, you know, there's, there ain't no point. If anything, I just kind of fed the trolls. So the best advice I could give anybody out there when this happens to you, because it will, uh, don't get too upset. You know, keep in mind, there's good players around you. There's always good people on the server that aren't those people that are, if they knew what happened to you, they'd be more than willing to help you. My advice is uh, kill them with kindness. Now, you don't always have that opportunity because they might wreck you, take your stuff, do all kind of emotes on top of you, wear your armor on the way out. And you know, a mage doesn't wear plate mail, but don't, you know, don't, don't lose your cool. Don't take it out on the rest of the server, the rest of the PKs out there. There's a lot of really respectable people out there that are playing their roles properly, whether they're role playing or not. Yeah. You know, that play style, it's, it's fun. Uh, there's a lot to it and you get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but it's also a little short lived and, you know, those kind of players will usually move into a little more meaningful content, whether that's using their thief in a different way or, or making true enemies in PVP and, and fighting those battles. You know, the griefing play style is, is not something you can usually sustain long-term, but yeah, it's still, it's still there. And Outlands is very popular. So you're definitely going to encounter it probably the length, the lifetime of the server, I would think. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, being an old player, you know, dealing with this my whole life, pretty much, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a challenge. And it's like I said, uh, the way that I started playing at my age now, when I was a kid, games were about a challenge. So uh, I actually really, really enjoy it. My favorite enemies are Reds, uh, not other role players. I, I rather interact with other role players in story driven way, like we did with the orcs, you know, letting them take me hostage kind of thing. Um, as opposed to just getting out there with some of our allies uh, path is the pathfinders. They're a very small guild right now. Not a lot of people know about them, but I do. I know who they are, and trust me, these guys have got a a mean haymaker for the Reds coming. And when we get, you know, the the funnest thing is really standing up for the rest of the shard to really protect them, to really do them that service. Is you know to do our part and put put the PKs down for a dirt nap. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say that I feel bad at all because, uh, I mean, you know, if you're going to be red, you got to be able to, to deal with the heat if it comes down to it. And that is what I think makes it fun when uh, you can interact with an enemy like that that actually shows honor back to you, says good fight, and, you know, didn't expect it, yada, yada. We'll see you next time. And, and they probably get us next time, whatever. <laughs> so uh, we're getting to the, to the end of the interview, but uh, do you have anything – Anything you want to share or any, um, any last bit of story or, or anything you want to promote? I would say um, this, that uh, as far as role play goes, uh, the community here is doing very well. It seems like uh, you have quite a different 
eclectic group of role players here, some that are very neutral, some that are very driven for their goals and their cause. Uh, but nonetheless, it seems like most are willing to work with each other. And all of them, I know, um, are open to helping other people, teaching other people. And the whole entire point of role play really is to enrich the experience for other people. And I think the joy that we get out of it is doing that enrichment, that creativity. So um, I'd say support your local role players. Uh, if you're interested, please you know, ask the group that you're interested in how you would get involved. It's n usually not hard. Uh, most people that are intimidated and have this idea that uh, role play has some certain requirements or a standard or some kind of underground protocol, it's not like that. Uh, it, maybe it used to be, but these days with all of the new technology and changes and how um, people and, and society is, is quick to adapt, we've adapted to a lot of new tools. So there's a lot of different things out there that can help you role play. Um, but the best thing is, like I said, just get in contact with the, the community that you are most interested in. They're going to be more than willing to help you out along the way and get you started. And it's all about just uh, embracing that green light, that creativity that um, really there's nobody to tell you right or wrong and how to do it. It's just a matter of having fun and add some story. I know that UO Outlands is, um, their staff is, the, I've never seen it before uh, on another server unless it was a purely role-play driven server, which those are usually very low population. But this being a high population server, their staff is very willing to work with role players. And I'm not saying that the handouts and stuff like that, like most people think role players might get sooner or later. I'm talking more about story. What real role players want to do is write story write their name write down the events that happened and record them somewhere and i know that the outland staff here is very willing to work with role players on that front so if you have a story to tell please come tell it and find your way to tell it i'm sure there's going to be an outlet for it somewhere here yeah very very well said and actually pretty pretty damn inspiring so at, at this podcast does one thing i hope it either highlights the community with with what you guys are actually out there doing or and if someone's interested, you know how to how to go how to go start and, and not be afraid to, to check it out. So, uh, you know, we got more Outlands podcasts coming. I've got I've got interviews with a uh, a guy that PVPs a lot. Hopefully, um, I've got one with uh, kind of a do build for PVP or PVE that's kind of taking the the shard by storm. Um, you know, I've got one with the. Uh, developer of classic uo so we'll kind of do some more things besides rp i know we've been we've been rp heavy but i think it's an important part of uo history and i wanted to make sure we did it justice and we're probably not done you know sir if you ever do this topic again with like a round table i'd love to have you back on absolutely and thanks for having me man keep up the great work out there it sounds like it's going to be an exciting lineup of uh guests here and uh we'll all be listening so keep it up huzzah farewell my friends all right. Thank you, sir. Uh, so go to our website, insideoutlands.com. You can join our Discord there. We'll have a link there. You know, hop on, listen to us live. If, if we're uh, recording at a, in the evening time, you can get on, leave us some uh, feedback, talk to our guests there. See you guys next time. Thanks.